0: Well, as you're turning to John uh, 17, I want to I want to ask if you heard about um, this, this guy that was found on a deserted island, and he was recently rescued. Did you hear about this guy? So there was this rescue team, and they showed up to this deserted island, and there was this guy there. I think some rich billionaire owned it and didn't think about it anymore, and some guy was living there. And so the rescue team shows up, and they find this guy there, and behind him, there's this beautiful, like, big structure that has been built out of materials on the island and it was just gorgeous and and they asked the guy and they said what is that structure there for and he said oh that that's my church and they said wow and then they looked down the coastline and there was another structure this building it was beautiful and they said what's that building and he said That's my old church. It split. And I wasn't getting fed there anyway. Well, today we're starting a series on church unity. And as we do so, we're going to look at John 17. Let me set the scene for us. It's the night on which Jesus was betrayed, the night before his death. And his death is heavy on the mind. He has just eaten a Passover meal with his disciples. At the end of that, they sing a song, one of the songs of ascent. And then they walk out. They walk out of the building and they meander through Jerusalem to a garden. And there, Jesus, on the night before his death, with death on the mind, begins to pour out his soul to his heavenly Father in prayer. He first begins to pray for his disciples, those who are there with him. But in verse 20, he turns and he starts praying for us, for you and me. And so we pick up there, hear God's word in John chapter 17. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is the word of the Lord. We pray pray to, to you, Lord Christ. Christ. And God, we ask that as we open your word now, that you would speak to us because we believe that you are a God who is not silent and you speak. So come by your spirit because faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ, the word that comes from Christ. So Jesus speak. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it was 1990, and the band U2, the popular band, was in Berlin recording their storied album Octune Baby*. As they were there in Berlin, it was kind of a heady time to be there, very exciting because it was the uh, it was on the brink of the German reunification. And so there the band is, and they wanted to record they wanted to record the album there because of what an exciting time it was. Not only was Germany reunifying, but, but really the world in some sense. And so they got captivated by this vision of unity. And so there they are in Berlin recording Octane Baby, except they didn't make any headway in the recording. They were so at odds with one another based on creative disagreements that they couldn't get one song recorded in the album. It, it, several band members said from that time period that, that they thought that they were going to break up. I mean, it's, it's this kind of typical picture, isn't it? That That there's something that captivates us about the idea of unity and unification and being together and coming together. And yet... When the rubber meets the road, I mean, it's hard to get along with people in our family, our friends, these guys were best friends from high school. They had like several, several successful albums together. They had toured the world and here they are and they can't get along. You know, division is a characteristic of our world. Is it not? And you don't have to look very far to, to figure that out. There was one poll that was recently done by Georgetown's Institute of Politics and Public Service. They, um, they interviewed people from every race, every class, uh, from different, all over the country, from different socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and demographics, from different uh, sides of the political aisle, people who vote different ways, and here was the conclusion. A majority of Americans believe political, racial, and class divisions are getting worse. Most of us are like, duh. Because we all feel that. And then it says this this is what got me. The average voter believes the U.S. is two thirds of the way to the edge of a civil war. That's pretty striking. And you know what else is striking? This came out two years ago, Mm -hmm. before COVID. What would it look like now? But, you know, we say the world is really divided right now, and the US U.S. is really divided right now, and this is just a really divided time in our country. But, you know, people have felt like that for a long, long time and it's not just people here in America it's actually people all over the world there was another um, there was another poll that was done and it was 20,000 people in 27 different countries and they found that every country so 20 uh, every country but two 25 of them the people believed that they were deeply divided in 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 Serbia it was 93% In Argentina, it was 92%. And for the people of Chile and Peru, it was 90%. For for the people of Italy, it was 89%. So we actually aren't that bad. We rank like 86%. But actually, there's good news here. You know what the good news is? We're really in agreement on something. (laughs) That we're all divided and can't agree. Well, if that's true in the world... What about the church? Well, I mean, you know about the guy in the island, right? You heard that story. That was a good joke. <laughs> but what about what about, what about Jasper, Alabama, the town that I would drive through when my freshman year of college, and I would pass through Jasper, Alabama, a town of, I don't know, 15 people. There's more than that, <laughs> but it didn't feel like it. And you'd go through, and I would pass on the right side of the street, First Baptist Church, big sign. And then if I didn't swivel my head fast enough, I would miss it. Because on this side of the street, there was, you guessed it, Second Baptist Church. Right there. That is not a joke. And it's not hard for us to picture all the various reasons why that might have arisen, is it? I mean, unity is hard. It's hard in the world, it's hard in the church, but there's really good news. You know what the good news is? Jesus knows it's hard and he prays for us. He prayed for us. I wanna look, I wanna look this, this evening at very simply to introduce the importance of unity and also the implications of unity. First, let's look at the importance of unity. Look at what Jesus prays for. In, in verse 21, he says, he prays that they may all be one. In verse 22, he prays that they may be one, even as we are one. In verse 23, he prays that they may become perfectly one. Three times, in three different ways, in three verses, Jesus prays that the church would be one. I don't know if you've heard this before, but repetition is kind of important. And and it shows that something is important. And so when Jesus prays three times in these few verses for that the church will be one, that shows that he thinks it's pretty important. But then let's just think about this. Think about the context. Jesus is on the way to the cross. He knows he's going to die. He has, he has sweat coming out of his capillaries that's blood-filled. Like he is sweating drops of blood. Hits his last night with his disciples. And he is pouring out his soul to his Father. I don't know about you, but this is not the prayer that I would expect. I would think that there were other things that he could be praying for. I, I, I would expect that Jesus would be praying, I don't know about... You know, the, the the evangelism of the world. Uh, that, that the Father would be faithful to the covenant of redemption and raise him from the dead and save the elect. I would think that he would pray for these things. I would not expect him to pray for church unity, which only shows how different My perspective on church unity and Jesus' perspective on church unity are. What about you? Do you dream about a unified church? Does a unified church captivate you so much that it fills your prayers? Do you grieve over a divided church? Do you have the same heart that Jesus has? Do you value unity like Jesus does? Do I? And notice why he prays for this unity. Did you see why he prays that they may be one, verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He prays that they may be, that we may be one, verse 23, Perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. He prays these things so that the world may know, which means in this text, at least, the unity of the church displays to the world, the unity that the church displays to the world actually affects in God's economy the spread of the gospel. That's how important it is. So do you care about evangelism? Do you care that the nations are raised? Then it starts with church unity. It starts with seeking the unity of the church. Now to be sure, I want to be clear that, that Jesus' prayer has already been answered in a certain respect. I mean, in a certain respect, we are already one, are we not? I mean, look what he prays. Verse 21, he prays that, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. In verse 23, he prays that, that we would be one through our union with him, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. He prays for a spiritual unity. And is that not what we already have? See, if you are united to Christ, then you are actually united to one another. It's it's like telephone lines in Crowder, Mississippi. That's exactly what you were thinking. In Crowder, Mississippi, where my grandmother, great-grandmother grew up, I would go visit her. Uh, and when I would go visit her, the roads were semi-paved. They weren't all paved. Uh, most were dirt. And one time, I went to pick up the phone in her home. And I picked up the phone to call someone and on, and lo and behold i heard two people speaking on the other end of the line so then what i did was i promptly set the phone down and i was walking around the house to see where someone was talking in the other rooms of her tiny little home and i'm like i didn't know there were other people here it's just my great granny and she's watching wrestling in the living room <laughs> and i would go and i couldn't find anyone and then i figured out in Crowder, Mississippi at that time, when you got on the phone line, the phone lines were connected together so that you were getting on a phone line with everyone in Crowder, Mississippi. (laughs) You know, I I I heard all about Betty's casserole. It was amazing, sounded really good. You know, it's like if you were connected and if you picked up the phone to call Betty and Betty's talking to Tom, guess what? You're also connected to Tom. (laughs) Well, you know, what? if you have a vital connection with Jesus Christ, a saving connection, that's what salvation is. is to be united to Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That's what it is. You are in Christ and he is in you. If you are in Christ and I'm in Christ, then we're connected. Because Christ is not her- hermetically sealed. We are his body. We are connected. And so in one sense, Jesus is praying for for a spiritual unity, and his prayer has been answered. We are one. And so some people say, because of that, the church is spiritually one. We are one. And so, que Sara, I'm going to start my own church down the street because I really don't like the paint on the walls here. But I want you to know that Jesus is not simply praying for the spiritual unity of his church. Because guess what? That's what theologians call the invisible church. The invisible church is all believers from all time and all space. And guess what? You know what? Here's the thing about the invisible church. The world can't see that. You and I can't see that, much less the world see that. Jesus is praying for a spiritual unity that would be manifest in such a way that the world can see it. So that the world may know. And so he's not just praying for spiritual unity. He's praying for a spiritual unity that would come to visible and public expression. That it would come to a concrete manifestation. Because here's the deal. As Joshua said, no one has seen God and no one has seen our union with God. But the way we love one another, the way we manifest our union, that shows that the Father sent the Son and loves the world and shows that we are united to God. That's how the world sees and that's how they know. And that's what makes this so important. So Jesus is talking about a unity that the world can see. And when the world looks at the church, what does it see? Well, I think it sees love. I think it sees sacrificial service. I think it sees an uncommon community of people when you have people from from different demographics and different races, walking into a community group together or hanging out at a coffee shop and say, what brings you together? The only answer is Jesus. I think the world sees those things. But I think the world also sees, let's be honest, bickering, and fighting, and splintering, and, and, and uncharitability. With one another I I think they also see I think they also see A a, a church that is in Some kind of market competition With one another Like getting the corner on the market Just think about the way that we talk When we say We lost a family to that church We didn't lose anybody We didn't lose anybody We are one this is not a, a corner on the market of Christians in Santa Barbara that we're trying to achieve or something like that. We are one. But I don't think that that is always clear. Because here's, here's the deal. While, we, while our divisions cannot destroy the unity of the church, they can obscure it. They can obscure it. And so we need to pursue, to live into the manifest unity that Jesus calls us to, which is, brings us to the implications of unity. We looked at the importance, let's look at the implications. Now we're going to spend the rest of this series talking through some of the implications of this unity, but I just want to be really brief tonight and introduce a couple things. How are we to make the unity we have in Christ manifest? Well... Let me give you two areas. First, it will require public identification with other Christians. If you aren't willing to publicly identify with other Christians, then how is the world gonna see that you're united? And public identification takes forms like membership in a church to say like, I'm with them and they're with me. Those are my people, even though we don't always agree all the time on everything, but I am identifying with them. I'm gonna actually make that manifest to the world. It's part of the reason that membership is important. It's part of the reason identifying with a local church is important. Public identification. The other thing is pursuing relationships. We pursue relationships. We pursue relationships of friendship with one another. We, we pursue relationships of reconciliation with one another. We, we pursue a relationship of mission and service together. And we should do this, it should start, by the way, with the people on your blanket. And then the people next to your blanket. And, and then the people across, across the courtyard that you don't even want to talk to. I get it, I get it. Keeps me up at night too. And then after that, it, it spreads further. See, we need to be, I think, public identification with, with one another in a local church. I think we need to seek public identification beyond that. That's what denominations are all about. Why I am a denominational Christian and part of a denomination is actually not for division, but for unity. It's actually a form of ecumenicism. See, I am trying to work together visibly, manifestly with as many Christians as I can. And therefore, I need to pursue that with other local bodies. Across a region, across a nation, across the world. And yes, accountability is important. But that's not the first and foremost reason that I'm part of a denomination. I'm part of a denomination so that I want to see Jesus' prayer come true. And sometimes that's really difficult. You think it's difficult working with Christians in your own congregation. Like, how about other congregations who do things differently? Have certain different vents on things And we don't just need to pursue Denominational unity And interdenominational denominational unity We also need to pursue Extra-denominational unity I'm a Protestant Do you know what that means? I'm protesting a church Because I believe that they're actually a church And that they're doing things wrong And my prayer is that one day Someday I won't have to protest anymore Mm -hmm. That's my prayer That we might be one. That we might all be one. And so we need to pursue this. With who, you say? Well, here's who we need to pursue it with. Look at verse 20. I ask not for these only, but also for those. here's, Here's the prayer. For those who will believe in me through their word. Everyone who puts faith in the Messiah through the apostolic word. That's who we seek in the event. everyone. Everyone who puts faith in Messiah, the, the apostolic word. And so we want to seek relationships with other Christians and with one another. We want to seek to identify with them. That's why we do joint services for Good Friday. That's why we partner together with other churches. These things are important because the spread of the gospel in God's economy these are the means that he uses To get the gospel out So that people might know that the father sent the son Well during those Very very tense and heavy days In Berlin The lead guitarist Whose name yes is Edge The Edge I think Starts playing a riff on the guitar, and other people start picking up on it. And then the lead singer, whose name, yes, is Bono, I don't know, where does, I'm gonna move to Northern Ireland, they have like really cool names there, uh, or to Ireland. Uh, he starts, he walks up, so the, so the apocryphal story goes, he walks up to the microphone after jotting down some lyrics, and he says they just fell out of the sky like a gift. One love, one life. When it's one need in the night, one love, we get to share it. It leaves you, baby, if you don't care for it. We're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. In a way that's way, way, way more true than those lyrics, we are one Christians but we're not the same. And it will leave us if we don't care for it. But it's the one love that we have in Jesus Christ, who loves us and gave himself for us, that we get to cultivate, care for, and share until he comes again. And we will be perfectly one. Because Jesus' prayers